influencers we allow to speak into our lives? Are they worthy of our attention? What is their message? And ultimately, is the path they want to lead us, is it where we actually want to go? Welcome to the Joshua Ball Podcast. And today we're talking about influence. And more specifically, we're going to talk about someone who exemplified influence in the Bible. 2 Samuel 15 states, And it came to pass after this, that Absalom prepared his chariots and horses and fifty men to run before him. And Absalom rose up early and stood beside the way of the gate. And it was so that when any man that had a controversy came to the king for judgment, then Absalom called unto him and said, Of what city art thou? And he said, Thy servant is one of the tribes of Israel. And Absalom said unto him, See, thy matters are good and right. But there is no man deputed of the king to hear thee. Absalom said, Moreover, O oh, that I were made judge in the land, that every man which had any suit or cause might come unto me, and I would do him justice. And it was so that when any man came nigh to him to do him obeisance, he put forth his hand and took him and kissed him. And on this manner did Absalom to all Israel that came to the king for judgment. So Absalom stole the hearts of the men of Israel. At this point in Absalom's story, it's been two years since he's seen his father, King David. Absalom is the third son of King David, and to say the least, they are not on the same page. They're not seeing eye to eye. At this point, um, it's been two years since they've seen each other because of family drama. And because Absalom and David are not on the best of terms, Absalom is starting to think that maybe it's time for him to rule instead of David. And so, you know, we read in the story, he devises a plan to at first, it seems like he devises a plan to help David, but as we get further into the story, we'll see that he had deceptive means at play the entire time. One of the first things it notes is that Absalom rose early in the morning. There's been a lot of preaching and teaching around the, the topic of getting up early in the morning. I must say that if you want to have influence, most definitely with with God, we have to have a consistent prayer life. I've heard preaching, like I said, about, you know, how God gives assignments to his angels at daybreak, which is early in the morning. Um my prayer life has fluctuated over the years. So I found in the beginning, I prayed at night, uh, right before bed. It's quiet. It's dark. It's just me and God. And he would talk. I would talk. You know, that was my prayer life. And as time has gone on, you know, my prayer life, It when I was in college, it was more so during the day, like if I had a break, I'd go back to my dorm room and, um, you know, God and have our time then. And slowly but surely, I've seen my prayer life shift from later in the evening to in the morning. Now, let me preface this. What is God? What time is God calling you to pray? Is it late at night or is it early in the morning? I would like to believe that at times it's going to shift. For me personally, right now, the time that I am to get up is early in the morning. And we're most productive when we get up early. It's like we have more hours in the day than the average person. And just a recap of 
the previous episode, we're not trying to be the best of the average. We're trying to be the best of the best. And if the best of the best says that I'm getting up early in the morning to do more than the average person does, then I believe that's a that's a discipline that we should all adopt. So Absalom, he rises up early in the morning and he stands and he stood beside the way of the gate. And it was so that when any man had a controversy, came to the king for judgment. Then Absalom called unto him and said, Oh, of what city art thou? And he said, Thy servant is one of the tribes of Israel. So here Absalom, he's rising up early in the morning. He needs getting into position, so to speak. He's, get, he's getting into position to be effective, to be available. Being available is something that has definitely been a, hmm, what's the word I'm looking for there? Just being available, being around when someone needs you, when pastor needs you, when assistant pastor needs you, when someone in the congregation needs you, when a friend needs you, when a, your spouse needs you or, or whatever. Just being available to the people who care most about you and you care the most about it it's something special and it's not something that's talked about a lot so Absalom he makes himself available and not only just he made himself available he made himself available to serve it says that you know he took interest in the person that was coming to the king with uh, a judgment so to speak and so he made himself available. He became relatable to the person coming with a judgment, and he showed interest in that person. And Asim said unto him, See, thy matters are good and right, but there is no man deputed of the king to hear thee. And so what that scripture means means is that at this time there was no one appointed to hear the matters of the people because David hadn't appointed anybody. And so from the next verse, Absalom said, moreover, oh, that I were made judge in the land. So he sees there's a need. There is something, there's an, there's a position to serve. It might be lowly for some, but he says, there's a position here that I can serve in and no one is appointed to do it. So I'm going to stand here and I'm going to appoint myself. Now there's two sides to every coin. And the truth is somewhere in the little rough, rigid area of that's around the coin. And so there is no one appointed by the king to hear the matters of the people. And so Absalom takes it upon himself to make himself a judge. The one side of this is there's a need that no one is meeting and there's an opportunity to serve where no one is serving and that is always fantastic when we see that our church our family um someone or somewhere in the community is lacking because there's no one to serve and we take it upon ourselves to serve in that particular area but this scenario is a little bit different because this isn't just I want to serve to keep the church parking lot clean I want to serve to keep my to do a community watch or whatever I don't know if they do those anymore probably not but just an example but this position that Absalom inserts himself into is a pretty prestigious position to hear the judgments of the people and then or hear the the arguments of the people and make a judgment that's something that the king would do or like we said earlier something that the king would appoint someone to do and to go along with that anything that we want to do with the right intentions god will speak to the man of god in our life and the man of god will confirm if we need to step into that position and serve in that capacity or not. And in this case, Absalom does not consult the man of God, which is King David, his father, and he just 
inserts himself as the judge over the land. And in verse 5 it says, And it was so that when any man came not to him to do him obeisance, he put forth his hand and took him and kissed him. So what this verse basically means is that people were coming to Absalom. He is seated or standing in a position of authority, and they come and they bow themselves to him. And being a person that wants to gain influence with the people, he steps off his place of prestige, so to speak, and he puts himself on their level. He extends his hand and he embraces them and he kisses them. And then verse 6, it says, On this matter did Absalom to all of Israel that came to the king for judgment. So Absalom stole the hearts of the men of Israel. And it came to pass after 40 years that Absalom said unto the king, I pray, let me go and pay my vow, which I have vowed unto the Lord in Hebron. Now, I didn't read that verse earlier because I wanted to make some reference or some emphasis on the first part of that verse. And it said, it came to pass after 40 years. So what that implies is that Absalom had been, (laughs) he had been asserting himself in this role for 40 years. And that seemed like a long time to me. So I wanted to do some research on that part. Um, And from what I'm seeing, there's been a great debate to where, some Bible scholars say that, oh, that was he was 40 years old when he went to David and said, you know, I got to pay my vow. And others are saying, oh, no, he was standing at this gate being a judge to the land for 40 years. I don't know what's true. Um, but what I do want to say is some Bible scholars say that it was only four years and not 40 years. But to that. To be a person of influence, it's not always this this notion of, oh, I post a video and it goes viral and people start to follow me. Not in the real world. In the, in the real world, to be a person of influence takes time. Will it be two years, four years, or 40 years? And it's, it's putting in the time to be of service, to be available, to not put yourself on a pedestal or place of prestige, but to to embrace people, to listen to their situations, and to be relatable. Those are the things that help us to become influential. Now, with that being said, what is the motive? What are What are our intentions of wanting to be a person of influence? Is it for selfish gain? Is it to genuinely see people thrive and go beyond the place where they are? Is it to genuinely help someone else that might be in a prestigious position that we want to be in someday? For Absalom... (laughs) His motive was he wanted to be king. Now, he's a third son of David. We established that. His first son is dead. David's first son is dead. Let me clarify. David's first son is dead because of Absalom. Absalom killed him. So Absalom is, he's not the direct heir to the throne, but he's pretty close. And who knows? Who knows what have, who knows what would have happened if Absalom stayed the course? You know, God might have made a way for him to be king. I don't know. I can't speculate. But what Absalom does instead is he devises this plan to overthrow his father, King David. So time has passed, and Absalom, he's ready to assert his authority so he goes to David and he says I pray thee let me go down and pay my vow which I have vowed unto the Lord in Hebron for thy servant vowed a vow while I was while I abode at Geshur in Syria saying if the Lord shall bring me again indeed to Jerusalem then I will serve the Lord and the king said unto him go in peace so he arose and went to Hebron 
But Absalom sent spies throughout all the tribes of Israel, saying, As soon as ye hear the sound of the trumpet, then ye shall say, Absalom reigneth in Hebron. So he devises his plan. He tells David this story. Oh, I'm going down to Hebron to serve the Lord because I paid a vow to the Lord when I was in exile that if he brought me back before you, basically, if he brought me back to Jerusalem, then I would in turn, I will in turn, Go and serve the Lord all the rest of my life. So David believes him. He says, go in peace. And as soon as he gets out of David's court, so to speak, he he sends spies to all of the tribes of Israel and says, when you hear the trumpet, just know that Absalom now reigns in Hebron. So all those years and all that time he spent judging the people, hearing the people's matters, listening to their causes, it allowed him to have rapport with people, have respect among the people. And from there, that's how he gained his influence. And so when it, now that it's time to take the throne, so to speak, he's going to use the authority that he's spent so much time. He's going to take those relationships he's built. He's going to take those connections that he's made. And he's going to now send the people that's on his side, his spies throughout all the tribes and say, hey, when you hear the horns, just know that Absalom now reigns in Hebron. And when I read this story early in the year, you know, we know how our Bible reading is sometimes. We, we go through it to, I don't want to say check off a list, but, I mean, let's just be real sometimes. We read our Bibles to check off our daily to-dos. But this year, I really wanted to slow down and pay attention to the stories and the things of the Bible as I was reading it. And I remember one morning, I'm in early morning prayer, and this is even before. So this is at the point where I'm still struggling, wrestling with God about starting this podcast. And I'm in early morning prayer, and... I had read the story the day before and the Lord says, that's a good topic to speak about. And I was like, what are you talking about? He's like, Absalom. I was like, yeah. And he said, did you notice how he gained influence? And I was like, yeah, it took time. And he, he became a servant and he put himself in a place to where he could serve effectively. And he said, to gain influence is not easy gain influence is easy it takes time but it can be done and then he God said or I feel like he said I don't want to be one of those people say oh God speaks to me in audible voices or whatever but the leading of the Holy Spirit I'll say it like that was like you know influence is easy Absalom portrayed a great way to gain influence And that's cool. The thing about gaining influence always goes back to, and I said this earlier, what's the reason why? In Absalom's case, he wanted to be king before it was time for him to be king, or if he would have ever been king in the first place. And a lot of people, they want influence for similar motives. Maybe they grew up not being the most popular, not being one of the things <laughs> that society uses now is this term being seen, so to speak. And you know, is you know, those people who, you know, I don't want to say they have sob stories because you know, some people do have really sad stories, but you know, the people who didn't have the best of the best, who didn't have the greatest parents or, you know, society and life just happens. Life happens and it's not anybody's fault all the time. I do agree. I do believe that a lot or some things that happen to us are consequences of our own actions. But, you know, life is, we talked about it in the last episode, it's it's variable change and life happens to people, even to children, even the babies. And so, you know, maybe there are people out there that didn't have or didn't feel like they had the resources to, 
you know, you know how society puts stigmas on us all. If you're not popular, if you're unpopular and this, that, and the other, if you wouldn't the captain of the football team or head cheerleader or, and all this, this, that, and the other, the popularity contest and all that. And it leads us to want to be those people or be in those positions to where we're, we're seen. And some people want to get to that position not to do any good, but to just be there. So in this case, a lot of people want to be Absaloms. But then there are the other people. The people that genuinely want to see some good in the world. I'm not going to say in the world, because let's just face it, this world is going to hell in a handbasket. Jesus didn't come and die for the sins of the world. He came and died for the sins of his children. So this world, it's it's its destiny is already decided. But for my family, for my neighbors, for my community, for the people I go to church with, the people I work with, our futures still have a chance while we are walking this earth. <clears throat> and if I'm not doing anything within my power to reach those people that I see every day that are in my immediate circle, what am I using my influence for? I'm not saying I'm very influential. <laughs> Some people might argue with me, but I mean, I'm just a person that just wants, I'm someone that wants to be kind, that wants to be treated kindly. And I genuinely want to see people succeed and thrive based off of biblical principles and biblical teachings rather than what society says is right, if I can say it like that. And so ask yourself, do you want to be a person of influence? But more importantly, ask why and just be very, very truthful because if the why is just to be seen, to have everyone look at who you are and have a million likes on Instagram, whatever, that's not a very good reason to be influential. But if you genuinely want to have an impact on the world that's positive and promotes the kingdom of God to see someone pulled out of pulled out of the fire of hell and placed on a narrow street, a street called straight, and see that person or see those people change their lives and God use them mightily for his kingdom. There's a way to gain influence to do that. And if that's and if you're that person that that wants to see people walk through those pearly gates one day. Use your influence to do just that. Influence them. Now, we all have a level of influence in our life. We all have someone around us that looks up to us. We might not notice those people. We might not. I don't want to say it like this, but it's kind of how it's coming to me. But we see them as insignificant. First of all, let me say that no one is insignificant. If God can use a donkey to speak to a man, God can use us to do so much more. So no one, not one of God's children is, ins is insignificant. So I want to end the influence talk with those questions. Do you want to be a person of, in of influence? And if so, why? Now, there are people who are influencers and there are people who I like to call automatons. What is an automaton, you might be asking? Well, Google says that an automaton is basically someone who operates without much mindfulness. They just kind of go through life, go through the routines, wake up go to work, eat lunch, go home, 
pet the dog, kiss the kid, be nice to the wife or the husband, whatever, go to bed and do it all over again. It's it's very an automaton is basically a robot. And if we're not careful, we can become automatons very, very easily. We can just mindlessly go throughout our day, go throughout our life without meaning, without purpose, without a reason as to why we were even present that day. God, I want to say, I want to say this also, God didn't die on a cross for us to become automatons, to be just swept up by what society says that we should do who we should be and this, that, and the other. God died for us so that we would have impact for his kingdom in this world. And the reason I bring up this subject about an automaton is to continue in this story about Absalom after he leaves King David um, in verse 11, it says, and with Absalom went 200 men out of Jerusalem that were called, and they went in their simplicity, and they knew not anything. We're living in a world where <laughs> a lot of people are living like these people in this verse, where they, they're being called by something, might not necessarily be Jesus, and they're living this simple life. And I'm not saying living a simple life is is in any way degrading or anything like that. But it also says, and they knew not anything. So they were blindly following Absalom, who is staging a coup against King David. And when I read this this verse, it automatically made me think of, these people were automatons. They were just mindlessly following after someone who called them, not the king, but just someone that called them. And their simple minds just said, oh, well, I'm just going to go because I was called. And I don't even know anything about where I'm going. I don't know anything about this this person who called me. I don't have any idea where we're going, but I'm gonna, I'm just going to go because I was called. And this is what I think I should be doing because... This is simple enough. We can't get caught up in thinking that because it because something is simple, that it's right. We can't get caught up in because some person, someone might have a stage of influence that we should mindlessly follow that person. The previous episode was a foundational episode and we've talked about awareness we talked about adaptability we talked about humility and so for this scenario i want to bring awareness to the fact that maybe there are some people in influence in society who are mindlessly being followed by automatons and it makes them seem powerful. It makes them seem like, oh, they are the, the it person. They have all the answers. When, in fact, they might be staging a coup. They might be doing something that only benefits them and doesn't be any, benefit anyone that's following them. And if we can ask, ask the questions of, do I really need to be following this person what are they saying is this something that I believe in and if the answers to those questions are not in our favor can we be adaptable enough to say I'm not following this person anymore and have the humility to say to someone else who we might have convinced to follow that person and say hey I finally done my own research and I want to come to you humbly and say that I was wrong this person is not who I thought they were and I don't think for myself that I need to be following that person. What kind of breakthroughs would we have in our life if we simply ask the correct questions? Not the correct questions, but better questions. Questions that will reveal truth and not a truth or what we want to believe is truth. 
not an opinion, so to speak. Another thing to, I don't want to say beware of, <laughs> but to be conscious of is influential people have the ability or can have the ability to influence other influential people. So continuing in Second Samuel 15, in verse 12, it says, And Absalom sent for Ahithophel, the Gilonite, David's counselor from the city, even from Gilo, while he offered sacrifices. So Ahithophel, like the scripture says, is one of David's counselors. And it's recorded in this chapter that Ahithophel's counsel was some of the best. Like this man heard from the Lord, so to speak. And um, somewhere in the process of time, Absalom has convinced Ahithophel to follow him instead of David when it becomes time. And now it's time. And Ahithophel, who is also an influence to the king, to other counselors, to David's army, everyone is listening to this man. He has influenced himself. And now he has been influenced by Absalom. And so it brings the, the question, who is influencing the people that influence me? <laughs> and that becomes not just one level deep, but two levels deep, three levels deep, because the person that influenced me has influencers. And those person have those people have influencers, and those people have influencers. People that are influencing them. I stated on a previous episode that Abraham Lincoln had a philosophy that we should learn from everybody, and most of the time it's what not to do. And I think that's the same case here. We have to question who. We're, we are allowing to influence us and then maybe do some research on who is influencing them and maybe some research on who's influencing them and come to a conclusion to where, well, I don't agree with everything that they're saying or I don't agree with anything that they're saying. And now it's time for me to make some new decisions because influencers influence, not just followers but leaders as well and if this is for someone if you have the opportunity to be close to your leader your pastor the person you look up to remember we want to take those people off the pedestals because only Jesus deserves to be on a pedestal but those people who we look to as okay this person is in a place where I want to be in 25 years. This person is in a place I want to be in 50 years. Those type of people. We're on the same level. No, no, no. We're on the same even ground, but they're just further along in their journey than we are, and we someday want to be there. That's that's a good way to, to look at people instead of putting them on a pedestal. Just think of everyone around us as we're on even playing field. And some of them, some people may be just be further along because of age, because of the resources or whatever connections, whatever they might have had. And they're in a place that we someday want to be at. Those people. And I think that's a better way to look at people. Because we lose the, the celebrity, <laughs> the celebrity, um, what's the word I'm looking for? the wow factor that we see, we get, when some people get when they see a celebrity or their favorite pastor or favorite preacher or whatever. We're all on equal playing field. They just might be further along. If you have the opportunity to get close to those, close to those people to learn from them, that is a great opportunity. And you should definitely seize that opportunity. But if they dis if they start to display some traits that 
you don't necessarily agree with or their convictions might not be your convictions. I want to say that it might not be best to totally cut that person off but learn what's good in that situation and take away what's good and leave the rest behind. Case in point, this entire talk about Absalom. We learned some good points that Absalom exercised and it got him to a place of great influence. He got up early. He put himself on even playing field with people. He listened to people. He heard their their calls and he made judgments for them and he he became he gained reproach with them so to speak and then he done this for a, a number of years so he put time into it and these are all great things to do if we want to be influential now that's taking the good from it and the bad is of course he wanted to overthrow his father and kill him that part we're going to leave behind and we're just going to focus on the good we live in a society that wants either it's all good or we don't want it at all or it's all bad and so or we perceive that it's all bad so we don't want to listen to any of it well those are two opposing extremes and like i said we we spoke about that on the last episode there's two sides to every story. There's two sides to every extreme. And the truth is really somewhere in the middle. If we can learn to operate somewhere in the middle to where we're not dealing in extremes or another word that I like to use is absolutes. You know, absolutes are those also those unwritten rules. Like, you know, you ask someone to go to church with you and they say, oh, no, I can never go to a church like that because my grandmother would turn over in her grave. Well, first of all, no, no, she wouldn't. That's a lie. And second of all, what was it about that church that the person's currently going to or the church or somewhere they're not even going to church maybe they're not even going to church at all and they still say oh i can't go to church or whatever because my family says this about church and all this that and the other and if my grandfather found out i was caught in a church somewhere he he'd fly out of the tomb and come get me whatever all all the absurd things you know that people say well is there any truth in any of that no your grandmother or your grandfather isn't coming out of the tomb. They ain't turning over in their graves. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and say it. I'm pretty sure they're, they are, they have other things on their mind. Other than if you're going to church somewhere that they didn't agree with. But those are the absolutes. So those are the those are examples of the extremes we deal with in a society in our society and dare I say it yes we need to question why grandma or grandpa said not to go to that church or not to go to church we need to question why grandma or grandpa mom or dad had all of these had or have all of these unwritten rules that <laughs> that were written when I wasn't around. I don't know why they were written. I don't know under what pretense, what cognitive bias they might have been written under, but all of these unwritten rules that have been imposed on us by um, outside forces, why do they exist? Why are they there? Those influential people, I'm sure, had a motive, but was that motive in their best interest? or the best interest of the family, or anyone's interest of other than their own? We have to ask those questions because we don't know the reason why. We don't know the reason why those rules were written. Or <laughs> we don't know why those rules were established because, then again, they are unwritten rules. And anything that's unwritten can be challenged, I believe. 
we are wrapping up the end of this year. Thanksgiving is literally days away. And it's like, where did the year 2022 go? For me, this year has been very up and down. We'll discuss more of that later as we get into this podcast. Um, But as the year draws to a close, I want to ask what preparations or what goals, I should say, that's a better word. What goals are we setting for the year 2023? Have we cast any vision for ourselves, for our families, for our communities, for our churches of how we can we can take our lives and the people and the lives of the people around us to another level. We don't want to go into 2023 with the same automaton mentality. The same mentality of, oh, if it isn't broke, don't fix it. Or if it isn't broken, how's that saying go? If it's fixed, don't break it. How about that? But my pastor says all the time, you know, if something's not broken, we need to break it so we can fix it. And that just keeps us constantly in a state of we got to be doing something. This is this is going good, but it can go better. It can be better. I am going on a good direction, but um, I can make this path easier for someone else to go down. How can I do that? And so if we can start to, if we can start, if we can start to project the things we want, uh, the things in our lives that we want to see change in 2023, if we can start those projections now and set goals now to help to serve as a catalyst for us to change those things before 2023 gets here. Like we should be setting goals now and preparing to achieve those goals now before 2023 even gets here. That way when the year kicks off, we're already, we're already ahead of the game. We're already in a good discipline, a good flow to see our goals and goals achieved and see the things in our lives that we want to change already on the right track to seeing those things change. Because, you know, think about the average. The average person is going to wait until January 1st, 2nd, or 3rd to start going to the gym. The average person is going to start at the beginning of the year to get on the right diet. The average person is going to wait until a Monday to try and start doing the things they know they need to do. But what would a person of excellence do? A person of, a person of excellence, I believe, will start when they immediately see a need of a change. It doesn't matter the day. It doesn't matter the year. It doesn't matter the month. The small bits of minutia that we hang on that says, oh, I have to wait until this time, this day, this year to start making a change. Here's another frame of thought. When you see there's a change that needs to be made, start making that change immediately because we'll never know the the ramifications of prolonging the change or waiting until the time is perfect. There is no perfect time. There's never been a perfect time. The only person that knows a perfect time is Jesus. And I don't know about you, but I'm not Jesus. I'm not anywhere close. And so we have to just, we have to take it upon ourselves to say, okay, I'm going to make this decision. And this decision might not necessarily be the right decision, but if I make this decision, I can then pivot and adjust, adapt to in such a way that the decision becomes right. And that's another thing I read in a book. It's called The Seven Decisions by Andy Stanley or Andy Andrews. I apologize. And that's one of the first things he says in that book. The first the first decision is the responsible decision. It's taking on responsibility for our actions and saying, okay, 
I made a decision here. Now, how can I make it right? He says that we're not always going to make the the right decision initially, but we can make a decision and then make it right. And so with the rest of this year, a month and a half left, we have half of November left and all of December. What are some decisions we can start making right now? They might not be the, the most accurate, the right decision, but action propels us forward. There's a statement to there's a statement out there that says, you know, there's analysis paralysis. We see it. We see a need. We see a change that needs to be made, but we don't know all of the information. We don't have all the ins and outs. Um, and I'm not saying that we have to make hasty decisions because we see a need because there is a change. But we also can't overanalyze everything until we have all the information that there that exists before we make an action so that's two extremes the extreme of not having any information just seeing the need and acting on pure zeal and going out and doing stuff and the other extreme of having all the information there is to have well two extremes on one end the 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 synchronization the truth what actually will we act what information we actually need is somewhere in the middle so we can't get caught up in being too hasty, but we can't get caught up in being too cautious. We have to have just enough information coupled with some action and then from there make decisions, make other decisions, adapt, pivot, change on a dime that leads us to the place of a great solution. So as we're wrapping up this episode... We hope you guys are enjoying the podcast. I keep saying we because I'm not the only one <laughs> on this team that's working on this podcast. I have a couple other guys that help me with this. You're going to hear from them soon. Uh, I'm the only guy on the mic at this point, but I want to say to someone who might be suffering with analysis paralysis, maybe you need to get you a team. Maybe you need to get someone to help you one, be accountable, two, help you set deadlines to say, hey, I want to have this done by then and just start it. Um, uh, my person on my team, who <laughs> shout out to my boy Cliff. Uh, he definitely keeps me on my toes. He checks me when I'm not meeting the deadline that I said I want to meet. He keeps me accountable. And maybe that's some maybe that's something that you might need if you have a plan and you sometimes struggle with analysis paralysis. I do. Um, I want to have as much information as I possibly can have before starting something, but I'm trying to get better. And one of the one of the ways I've gotten better is building a trying to build a team around me um, and just starting. Uh, we just we talked about on the first episode how you know it took so long for me to start this podcast and a lot of it was because of analysis paralysis um, coupled with the you know the the cliche why I can't do this stuff you know we talked about it on the first part on the first episode as well um, but build a team around you um, and on that team have someone that's gonna rub you the wrong way that's gonna call you out when when the team isn't being benefited I don't know if benefit is the word but we'll keep it anyway um, but yeah so as we wrap up here we hope you guys are enjoying the podcast um, please remember to like, subscribe this podcast, send this podcast, these episodes to your friends, help us get the word out about this content and leave us a review. We want to hear from you guys. Uh, we want to know what you are particularly liking about the podcast, what we can do better. One thing I've always been, I've always loved is constructive criticism is because, you know, you guys are taking time out of your day, out of your week to listen to this. And if it's something that you believe is going to benefit you, uh, we want to 
we want to we want to get rid of all the things that aren't necessarily beneficial. So, with that being said, we hope you have a great weekend. Go into your churches this weekend, like we said last week, with expectation. We believe that the Lord can do anything at any time with anyone, and that means even if you haven't had a baptism in a number of weeks or months or years or no one's received the Holy Ghost in your church in a while, we believe that Jesus can step on the scene and totally turn the tides of any situation if we will just give him all liberty and freedom to do whatever it is he wants to do in our church services. If we, I don't want to say throw out the agenda, but make room, not make room for Jesus, but come with a mindset that, okay, we have a set schedule, but at any point we believe Jesus can come in and interrupt that schedule and we have a mighty move of God and people's lives get changed, their hearts and minds, their souls change forever for the kingdom of God and then we begin to build them as disciples. If we come with that mindset, I believe Jesus will honor it because at that point it just becomes about him. And if we're going to church, and the point of going to church isn't about him, then what's the point of going? Okay? So, go with expectation that Jesus is going to do something in your church service this Sunday. All right? We love you guys, and we will see you next week. Mm-hmm.